So, welcome back to the uh, new semester of uh, HaChaim, the weekly class. It went from Tuesday night to Thursday night, and um, it's now Pasha's Noach, and we're going to be discussing a very, a very interesting phenomena, which is the secret powers of the rainbow. And uh, you'll actually look in your Sidur, and right in your Sidur you'll see Right before the Birkat Amazon, there's a list of blessings. So if you have the Chabad Sidur, it would be on page 86 and 87. And right there in 87, the third blessing is the blessing for the rainbow. Blessed are you, God. Blessed are you, Lord, our God, King of the universe, who remembers the covenant, is faithful to his covenant, and keeps his promise. And why is that? Because Hashem says that I... After, we're going to soon read the build-up to that because it's very important to build-up to understand what's going on with the rainbow. But it happens over there is that Hashem makes a covenant. The Torah, in the world of Kabbalah, we talk of three covenants that's mentioned in the Torah. The covenant God made with Noah, the covenant God made with, with um, Abraham, and the covenant that God made with Moses. Three different dimensions, one higher than the next. But the covenant that God made with Noah, that he will never destroy again all of creation, he will never mess up the orbits that control uh, our time and our seasons. And that was going to be a rainbow. And God said, I will place the rainbow. And interesting wording we're going to talk about soon. It seems to be that the rainbow is a sign for who? Seems to be to say rainbow would be a sign for us when we see the rainbow. Actually, God said, and I will see my rainbow and I will remember the covenant and I will not destroy. Now, in the world of Kabbalah, everything is precise. If God picked a rainbow, then there's a reason why he picked a rainbow. He could have done anything else. He could have added three new twinkling stars. He picked a rainbow. So we need to understand what the rainbow is all about in the world of Kabbalah. And then we can understand why it is the perfect sign. Not only to show us, but as God says, and I will see the rainbow that I place in the sky and I will remember. To understand that, let's back up a minute. Let's back up with a very interesting question. We're going to build up to what happened here and then what changed and why the rainbow. And then most importantly, which I wrote in the invite, is to understand how we bring that into our life. So let's go back to Genesis when God first introduces the flood. Okay? So we have over here in chapter 6, it begins to tell us that all of a sudden there was corruption, so forth and so on. And then it says in verse number 5, And Vayar uh, Hashem and God saw that there's so much bad. There's so it's increasingly bad, the mankind in the land. Everything that goes on in a man's heart. Uh, the, uh, here he says, And every thought which came from his heart throughout the day was purely evil. And because God saw that every single thought that goes on in the heart of man all day is evil, that's when he decided, by Yenochem Hashem, and Hashem regrets, so to speak. That's a very interesting verse. So the reason why Hashem decides it's time to obliterate everything is because he sees that all of man's thoughts all day long, that's all they have, is bad thoughts. That's just, they're just created. They're just bad thoughts. So if that's all they have, all they do all day 
is bad, boom, I want to wipe them out. I want to jump ahead now. We're now a whole long time later, Noah built the ark for as long as he built it, and then there was a flood, and then there was the waters, and then there was the, the 150 days, the next 150 days, and Noah finally sends out the raven, he sends out the dove, he sends out the dove again, he sends out the dove again, he waits again for it to be completely dry, and he steps out, and what does he do? He brings a sacrifice. Now I want to read with to you in, in Pasha's Noah, chapter 8, verse 21. The effect of the sacrifice. What happens here? God smelled the pleasant aroma and God said to himself, I will no longer curse the earth because of man. Now here's the next words. He's giving a reason why he decided that he will no more do this. For the imagination of man's heart is evil from his first stirrings in the wind, in the womb. How interesting. The very reason why God decided to destroy them is the very reason why God said, what do I want from them? Miskenim. <laughs> what do I want from them? From the very moment of the stirring in the wombs, all they have is evil thoughts. What happened here? The very same logic for destroying them is the very same logic that God says, I shouldn't destroy them. Something in between these two logics, which is really the same one logic happening at two different times, something in between caused that the very, re the very same reason for destroying now becomes the very same reason for looking away. Kabbalah and Hasidus want to know. And he explains that intellect, logic, is driven by will. When I want something, this very logic will become the rationale of it. So it isn't that the logic causes the will, but as is most often, the will causes the logic. This is what I want. And now I'm going to justify it, rationalize it, prove it, so forth and so on. So whatever happened, something set God in the tone that it's time to destroy the people. So then when they brought this logic, the logic reinforced, rationalized, justified, and made it the only obvious conclusion to destroy them. Something happened over here that caused the exact opposite. Something happened over here which caused God to want to promise that he will never again do this. And once God's will was to never again do this, so then the minute this logical thought came up, now this thought was to feed to and to be driven by the will that God does not want to do this. This is what God wants. He wants to make a promise never to do this again. And thus, this became the very reasoning and logic that he should not do it. So what really drives is the will. Something here changed God's will. And once God's will changed, so then the logic, the very same logic, is now feeding into a new will. So we need to understand what happened in between. To understand that, let's go back a verse. We have that Noah built an altar. Noah took from the kosher species and from all the, the animals and the birds, and he put them on the altar. And And then what happens? God smelled a pleasant aroma. 
What is the pleasant aroma? The pleasant aroma of a sacrifice. What about a sacrifice is a pleasant aroma? And the answer is teshuva. The secret of a sacrifice is teshuva. So something about teshuva made a change happen here. So much so that God's will was so strongly changed that the very reasoning and logic that he wanted to kill them is now the reasoning and logic that he will never do it again. To understand this, we need to go back to another story in creation. In creation, our sages tell us, and God saw all that he was done, and it was tov me'od, very good. Our sages say, good is light, the yetzer tov, the good inclination, the godly soul. Me'od, very good, is the evil inclination. And that is very shocking. So what we're saying is that good is good. Bad is very good. The evil inclination is very good. Why? When we understand this, we'll understand the secret of the rainbow. The secret of the rainbow, as explained in Kabbalah, is that the rainbow hits off the cloud which acts as a prism which causes the rainbow. That rebound light, the bouncing off the cloud, is what we call Or Chose. In Kabbalah we have two lights. We have Or Yashar and Or Chose. Or Yashar is the direct light. Or Chose is the rebound light. In Chassidus and in Kabbalah, they explain that the temperatures of the atmospheres don't make sense because the one that's highest is warm, the one that's middle is cold, and the one that's lowest is again warm. It should be it's getting colder and colder and colder as we're getting distant from the sun. And the answer is because the this, this sunlight rebounds off the earth and therefore the lowest hemisphere actually gets a double whammy. So that's why the highest hemisphere next to the sun is warm. The lowest hemisphere, which gets a double whammy, sun coming down, rebounding, going back, gets a double whammy, and therefore it's warm. And in between is where it's cold. It's distant, but it doesn't have the orchoser. This orchoser is what we're going to talk about tonight. This rebound light. So the direct light doesn't have all the beauty of the rainbow. The rebound light has the beauty of the rainbow. What happens? What happens is that man is bad, right? That's what the verse says. God saw then the Genesis that man is bad. Not only are they bad, they're always bad. They're consistently bad. They're always thinking egocentric. <laughs> it's funny, you know, we talk about man's bad. We usually have these images of, you know, gangsters and, and the Wild West. But let's talk about a different type of bad. I want to tell you a very interesting story that happened that I witnessed. Um, before I came here to North Miami, I served in Fort Lauderdale by my brother. I used to give a weekly class there too. This class is actually an offshoot of that class. It just evolved into here. And uh, someone came very excited to, to class. Why? Because a certain pharmaceutical company announced, this is about, uh, wow, 18 years ago, wow. Uh, a certain pharmaceutical company announced that 
they believe that they found a medicine, they're releasing a medicine that has an effect on cancer cells. Unfortunately, in today's day and age, there aren't many people who doesn't know someone, either in the family or a friend, or that is not, was not hit by this. So everyone reacts with, wow! <laughs> there was a person there without a blink of an eye who asked one question. What's their symbol? The stock market. Now, is that evil? No, he's not stealing. He's not stealing. But I remember feeling then, at the end of the day, the egocentrism. <laughs> it didn't, he didn't even blink a moment to think about what this will mean to millions of people and their family members. The first thing that hit him, wow, this stock is going to go up. I want to put this in, in context today of saying that when we talk about evil in the world of Kabbalah, the definition of, e of, of evil is going to be boiled down to ego, entitlement, I am the center of the universe, what can I get out of this? So again, I'm not going to say that that man by the table was evil, I'm going to say the man by the table was human, and then I'm going to reflect upon the verse that God said. Because the heart of man is evil, and I don't mean evil in the sense of how can I steal, how can I cheat, how can I kill, but in the sense of me, ego. Well, I want to just put things in proper perspective. We don't have to define evil as, as the next Stalin or something, you know, Hitler, that's not what we need to do. Just look it into perspective of if everything about my life is egocentric in the world of Kabbalah, that is evil. Because anything other than divinity is evil. It's the other side. The one thing that doesn't allow divinity into its existence is ego. As the verse says, I and he cannot coexist. There's, no, there's not going to be an I and a he. So the only place where holiness exists is in selflessness. At some level. Humility. Moses, who's known as the holiest man. What does the verse say upon him? It says that he was the most humble person, of, and that is, that is part and part, that is what it's all about. What allowed God to speak through Moses' voice box was his humility. So I want to just redefine evil instead of getting all carried away with evil, well, then it's not me, I'm not an evil person. If we talk about ego, we're all in the pot at some level. And Kabbalah plays with the laws of Kashrut, where you talk about the laws of mixtures. Some things get nullified. 1 in 60, right? A drop of milk in, in, in chicken soup. There's a batu bemea, 1 in 100, laws of tithing. So we all have to work on, well, none of us until Mashiach comes is going to be free completely of ego. The whole process of the contraction was to create a perception of I. But we have to work in our life to try to nullify it. 1 in 60th, 1 in 100th, 1 in 1,000th, each one in his own level. And we work on it. But this is what I just wanted to present today. Let's not get carried away with the word evil. Let's not, let's not envision, you know, scary monsters. We're talking about you and I, I and you, with our dealing with the evil which of ego, which says, you know, I'm sorry, God, but I. So when we talk about this concept that human from the stirrings of the womb is egocentric, entitlement-driven, and that's what God said, whoa, that is not good. If the whole purpose of creation was 
that mankind should serve as my abode here on earth and all they have is ego which is the one thing which gets in the way of me dwelling in their midst then this is not good like we got to start over so we're going to find one person Noah and from him we're going to start all over again what changed what changed here so the people are still egocentric that's what God says I still see they're egocentric genetically egocentric and by the way when I say genetically egocentric again let's not get carried away the mere fact that survival is our strongest instinct to the point where we will kill for survival and it's not just us the animal kingdom there's no malicious between the lion and the gazelle it's just a question of survival survival is egocentric I'm sorry that you're gonna have to die but if you don't die I die so you're gonna have to die that's that's just in the genetics of our creation the animal kingdom which has no evil in it is defined very simple eat don't be eaten and procreate it's all about egocentric I need to live on so God sees that that didn't change that can't change that can change because that is what creation is all about if you look at the symptom from a point of psych a psychological approach that's what Simpson did Simpson created a one-way mirror where when we look up to heaven we don't see God we see a reflection of ourselves that's what Simpson is it's a one-way mirror so to speak everything is about us so therefore nothing changed and if nothing changed then why all of a sudden is God making an oath and the answer is going back to what a quote I had from the beginning of Genesis while direct light is good rebound light is very good so here I'm defining to you now that the inner understanding of Yetzer Tov and Yetzer Hara the, the, the good inclination and the evil inclination the real purpose the real dimension of it is direct light versus rebound light that's what it's really all about and the secret of the rainbow actually symbolizes what really caused the change in God's will because when God only saw evil then evil is a reason to obliterate and let's start over this is not what this is not what we planned on however when God sees and God smells the fragrance the aroma the aroma of teshuva all of a sudden the entire realm of evil takes on a different meaning it's the potential of rebound light and that's why the secret power of the rainbow is or choser rebound light and this indirect light can illuminate there where direct light cannot illuminate the rebound light is a rainbow full of colors because it is the human touch while the direct light is colorless so what happens here is that all of a sudden the entire existence that man is challenged with egocentric entitlement thoughts from its earliest stirrings in the womb is actually 
the very reason why God created the world. The reason why God created the world, according to some very deep Kabbalistic teachings, is not about Torah and mitzvot. It's about teshuva. Torah and mitzvot is direct light. It's Ori Yashar. God telling us what's right, what's holy, what you should do, and what you're not allowed to do. Teshuva is all about rebound light. Teshuva is not what God gives us, it's what we give God. And now if we understand that Teshuva is what we give God, we understand that that very genetic making, that man, is, his thoughts are evil, self-centered, entitlement, from the stirrings of the womb, is the most fertile situation for Teshuva. So the whole beauty of the rainbow is that that which is bad, that which is evil, that which can only go wrong, that is where human beings reach out. There's a very difficult verse in the end of the Deuteronomy when, when we have all those uh, gods really we're reading the blessings and the curses and if you will not walk in my way and you have a lot of stuff there that's very difficult very very difficult to, to read and to absorb it's like wow very difficult words and then all of a sudden God says something which is very interesting I will banish you and da da da, -da right? all, all the yummy stuff and then God says and from there you will call out to me And from there, you will call out to me, is the rainbow. God has created the city, the field, and the desert. And we're taught, the, the city is defined in Torah as Yeshuv Adam, civilization. The field is not Yeshuv Adam, it's not civilization, but it's where man goes out to work. The desert already is a total different thing. When a man goes out to the desert, and from the desert, he hears God calling to him, that is something which the direct light cannot do. The direct light can beautify the city, it can even beautify the field. But in the barren desert, there it doesn't exist. What exists there is the man who has gone astray, and from there, Here's God's calling and rebounds. There's not going to be a direct light connection with that. In Kabbalah, when we talk about the other side, by definition, the other side will not absorb. It will not allow in direct light. But when the Jew falls into there, and from there, O Misham, and from there he calls out to me, creating a rebound light, then all of a sudden, God's opinion of what to do with evil is totally different. Because all of a sudden, evil is not evil, but evil is the, the, is the potential of a far greater and more beautiful divine light than divine light has created on its own. That power of teshuva that power of rebound is the ultimate experience of the rainbow. And now we understand 
a very interesting complexity. First, God says he made an oath, and he's going to place that in, this, in these clouds and this, as a sign. I will place the, the um, rainbow in the cloud. Seemingly, we would think that that rainbow is not here to remind God. God doesn't have a memory relapse. It's here to remind us. But yet when we hear that God says, I will look at that. It's again, it's re, I don't want to say the word recommitting, but it's re-identifying. It's re-identifying that when you look at people that have evil thoughts, you're looking at a potential of rebound light. As a teacher, I can tell you, there are some teachers that just, they love the goody-goodies. It's just so pleasant. I've always been challenged by the not goody-goodies. You know, in, he, in Yiddish, in Hebrew, you say a chevreman. You get a hold of a chevreman or the class. You now know that you're touching a future Jewish leader. That guy who's throwing spitballs, that guy who's everything with chachma, with wisdom. I'm not talking about the one that gets into your face. That's a different element. That's a different thing. I'm talking about the one that's, that's his mind is working and he's alive, and, but he's a troublemaker. He's just not interested. Nine out of ten times, those kids are quite intellectually gifted. And you know, if I can just catch this one, if I can bring this one back home, I'm not talking about direct light. I'm talking about rebound light. The teacher that sees that, he's not frustrated waiting for the opportunity to have revenge and take out his big red marker and put an F and sign another note and put him into another detention. That's not what's going on there. Once the teacher learns the preciousness, the beauty the potential of this Hebreman who's giving him gray hairs, grief, and heartburn. But all of a sudden, the engagement has changed. He has a new definition for this. He doesn't walk into the class thinking, this is trouble. He walks into the class thinking, this is a challenge. And if the teacher is still young enough at heart, I'm not talking about age, but the teacher is still young enough at heart and still has that idealistic reason that he or she became a teacher, they will embrace that student with the same commitment that God made to Noah after Noah reinstituted the sacrifice, the teshuva. All of a sudden, the definition of that challenge, the evil, became a whole potential pleasant. So what we're suggesting here is that the secret power of the rainbow is the power of the rebound light. We're talking about that the secret power of the rainbow is to go back to what our sages said. And he saw it was very good. Good is the good inclination very good is the evil inclination. That is the secret of the rainbow. The fact that it's not direct, it rebounds. 
the human touch, the transformation. And it's off a sharp edge. It won't rebound off off a smooth. It's got to be that cutting sharp edge, the prism. That sharp edge of the human, that unpolished cut, that all of a sudden becomes very good. I read somewhere this very interesting line. Heroes are not created in prosperous, prosperous, peaceful, and pleasant times. Heroes are created in difficult, turbulent times. That's the beauty of the rainbow. In our own life, you know, I'm going to quote again Jim Collins from Good to Great. He says that the biggest enemy of great is good. Direct light is the enemy of greatness. Because it's good. Go back to the verse. He saw it was good. Good is the Yitzhatov. Very good. Great. Great is the rebound light. Great is the evil inclination. Great is the Heverman troublemaker kid that won't just give in and do his stuff on time and hand him in. And in our personal life, we have the same secret of the rainbow. In our personal life, the good times is not what's going to build our character. The good times is not what's going to build our strength. And more importantly, in the world of Kabbalah and Hasidus, we talk about two different sets of intellects and emotions. We have the regular intellect, and then we have what we call the inner intellects. Kochot hapnimim, the inner ones. So much so, I will tell you, that there was a Hasidic art that at a Fabrengian, sometimes, you know, the guy said a Lachayim and more than one or two Lachayims, there were actually some Hasidim that after a Fabrengian, when their head was like, whoa, it was for a long night with Lachayims and really soul searching and getting into each other's skins, they would sit down and learn. Why? Go to sleep and then wake up and learn. Well, he says, no. Now, I've, I've passed the limitations of my direct intellect. It's been a long night, I'm tired, I drank, and I'm pushing now on inner kochot. Now let's learn with these inner kochot. It isn't that often that I actually have that opportunity. When we talk about the rainbow, we're talking about the production of the inner kochot. We're talking about where direct light says, listen, you're, you're a troublemaker, you're finished, no. It, it gets passed on in your folder, your tick from teacher to teacher, this kid, oh, he's in your class, I wish you luck. And then there's this rainbow effect, and it's documented, documented, and not just in scientific books, in Reader's Digest, the famous story of the teacher, was able to get through. And the teacher that gets through creates rainbows. These children are rainbows. In our personal life, we have moments what we can call potential rainbow moments. Potential rainbow moments. There isn't a single person that I've read about yet, I'm sure there is, and I enjoy reading biographies. There isn't a single person who's reached real superior heights without rainbow moments. Just to talk about a man who's not alive no more, Steve Jobs. 
He's had some serious rainbow moments. Fired from his own company. He's had some serious rainbow moments. Health issue. Go on over and over. Most, most serious millionaires have gone through a couple of bankruptcies. People who have really grown character and risen up to, to really earn respect to people, a lot of them went through very dysfunctional childhood. Grew up in very difficult, difficult neighborhoods. These are rainbow people. And when God saw Noah do teshuva, he then smelled all those rainbows. And that's when he made a promise. Precisely because of the challenges of man's heart, I will never destroy them again. And to remember that, God reminds, quote unquote, himself, and reminds us by playing a rainbow in the sky. You want to know what clouds can do? This is what clouds can do. They're not here to block the sun. If you actually do it right, the right angle, you can actually create a rainbow moment. That's how we have to do in our life. We have to sometimes in our life say, direct light isn't really working here. It's not giving me light in my dark moments. It's not giving me warmth in my coldness. That's the rainbow moments. And that's it for tonight, guys.